Konnichiwa, everyone. This is Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen, Joe, and Mark. And today we will be learning a new language. So stay tuned. So before we start learning a new language, which, as you heard in the intro, we're already making strides, Japanese, um, I, I just wanted to check in with you guys. You, I don't know if you're Instagram users, probably not. I'm not myself either that much. I have it to browse, but from very soon, you will have to give them your birthday to keep using the app. What do we think about that? How does, how does that make you feel? Oh, really? Old. Well, it's not like they don't have it already because, you know, yeah. for my Facebook, Facebook account, it's already there. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's, I mean, they could just like run the AI algorithm over your images and don't just go like. And that too. Yeah. It's not like they don't already know. So, you know, it's. No, that's that's true. That's true. But yeah, apparently uh, it's it's for showing or not showing you posts that are marked as sensitive. Um and and blurring sensitive content. So we're if getting you, if you don't put it in. Instagram. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going the OnlyFans route. If they mm. see some competition options in that direction, but um, so I mean, so it's not anymore good enough that you just have to say I am older than eighteen. Now you have to give a fake birth date to be older than eighteen. Is that the? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's. I mean, the it's fun also thing, the same the fun with thing the would web, be, right? You're giving a, a wrong birthday, and then it will tell you, no, you're wrong, Mark. Your birthday's then and then, and you're like... <laughs> How do you know? How do you know? How do I have to answer this? Yeah, yeah that that might uh, trigger some people, I would say. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's the same on the web, right? I mean, if, if you want to go to some sort of site where they sell alcohol or, or something like that you also get these are you 18 plus or at least here in europe 18 plus typically yeah. um yep. you just key in a birthday no one checks no one cares i mean it's it's fake fake feel good i don't know yeah i, I remember once uh in, in switzerland when i changed my mobile phone contract you could either do it via letter because the the phone company that i'm now at they don't have any physical stores so you can't really show up and show your id to a store clerk or something like that and so you have the option of doing it via letter or doing it online and the online version was me being on a video chat with someone uh where i then had to hold up my identification card in front of the camera as i'm just trying to show you now in the studio and then uh the other person verifying that that actually is the id and that that's me on the id so but it, it always is a bit of a well uneasy feeling when you have to share personal information over the internet i don't know maybe it's just me being old and paranoid but yeah i think birthday yeah it's that's interesting i didn't hear of that because as you guessed i'm not really that's an influencer on Instagram on the Insta, no. no. But like on the other spectrum, obviously, um, you have Estonia. I don't know if you know about their very, very um, digitalized infrastructure around your identity and everything. Um, but they they like have taken it to 
really the next level with pretty much everything being in the cloud and that's that's they have this this social security like number but you don't need to keep it secret because no one can do anything with it apparently but it's it's yeah i've seen a documentary about it it's kind of kind of strange feeling that everyone can just reach your data if they have that number but um yeah or well everyone who needs it obviously yeah of I mean, course though this these yeah. informations never get used for ill intent or stuff like that never according to the documentary they have never been breached but never say never yeah see and the I, cloud is always safe i mean yes so yeah and the I documentary was made by Estonia government. Estonia, <laughs> Estonia. Yeah, the cloud, sponsored by the cloud provider. Yeah. No, I think it, it was a pretty interesting system that they got going there. But yeah, speaking of Estonia, does any one of you know Estonian? Because we are learning a new language today. Da, no. Um, yeah, uh, no, I don't know. No, no. I'll, I'll not answer in a other language. In a foreign language. Okay. Well, let's let's just pop some dreams straight from the bat we're not talking about a language spoken in a country Aww. i'm so sorry we are talking development languages because there are numerous kinds of languages mark you you know all of them i know all I mean, of them yeah i think you are the guy who knows <laughs> most languages out of us i know well yeah so swiss german german yeah no, um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I've learned a few over the years. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have learned a few languages, which you right now will never anymore list in your resume because uh, you just don't want to get any job offers that for those past languages. VBA, is that? Yeah, see, see. So now tomorrow you'll get a recruiter contacting you. Hi, Stephen. Oh I've seen you've been very active. I've had the perfect job opportunity for you as a lead VBA developer on a fantastic thing project, cloud-enabled thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. No, but I mean, there are, there are a lot of programming languages out there in the world. Um, so I think we all know the .NET ecospace here in the studio. But uh, yeah, I think you can categorize languages also. And uh, there are languages there that are made for business. There are languages out there that are made for fun. Uh, I know that there is the Rockstar language, which you kind of code as if you would be writing a rock song. So there's that. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take it as far as to write any business applications in it because it was made for fun but uh, it also shows how you can structure language so some people they take uh great fun uh in developing new programming languages and coming up with a syntax that will enable them in their daily lives so there's that but these days i think we can categorize uh development languages into like three or four categories like you have the procedural languages which is like c uh, that comes to mind for me and then uh, a very dominant thing is the object-oriented. So that would be stuff like C-sharp, Java, uh, some, some very big languages that are uh, object-oriented, C++, of course. We can't forget that one when we talk about OO. And then there are some other kind of languages, and they, they some, some of them there are object-oriented. Some of them are maybe even more functional. So functional languages, they have uh, seen a great uh, boost in popularity of, over the last couple of years. And then there are things like dynamic languages. So you don't have to define the type 
uh, like you don't have to say this this values of type string the language or the compiler or interpreter will know it uh, so javascript is for example one and then there are more strict languages which once you have signed the value with a string you can know you can then not go along and assign an integer uh, javascript is not one of those languages if you've ever written something a bit longer in the web you know that javascript will just let you do about anything that you could do with a language if it's good or bad so gerald why why should we even bother about learning a new language i mean i know you always out there learning new stuff but why should we learn a new language i don't know i never learned a new language <laughs> i went from php where every developer you know starts it well at least for our generation my generation um, or you, and then I went or just you, C sharp, or just me, or just me. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, no. So, I mean, that's a question that you get a lot. Like you say, I've been out there learning new stuff, trying to teach other new stuff, um, and you get a question a lot, like, "Hey, why should I use X or Y?" Or um, is the better question is even like, "Is X better than Y?" Which is even more interesting. So. You know, at the end of the day, um, if you have a kind of a mature language, they can do the same thing. They can achieve the same thing. Um, the only kind of difference is which is better or which works better is only something that you can basically um, decide because it's all about how you feel um, about working with it. If it makes you happy, if you like the syntax, if you like a semicolon after each line or not. Um, you know, so but the the things that Mark just mentioned, like with the different object oriented, functional, and and dynamic, I mean that's fine. I mean that's clear differences. Um, so that is something where you can also look into, like, hey, how is the performance of these things? Um, how is the support of the scenario that I'm actually looking for? How does this um, support the requirements that I have? So you know, that's that's things that you. Um, kind of have to consider in this scenario as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's more about, you know, becoming better and more efficient um, yourself um, with a certain language and, um, you know, to be able to keep up with your day job, you probably want to be happy writing actually this code. So um, that's probably one of the things that, you know, in, in search of language, that's something that's important that you actually enjoy writing the code. I think that's a very interesting point to bring up there, having joy while working. And I think this can definitely be uh, something that might be the reason why you want to learn a new language. Maybe you have read an article or a blog post or been at a talk where someone tells you, if you learn this language, uh, your life will become better. You'll, get, you'll gain new insights into your everyday tasks and you will become an overall 10x developer. And while not everything that I've just said will become true while you learn a new language. Uh, what definitely is true for me, for myself is when I uh, look at a new language, which uh, concepts I might not have known before, like uh, I've, I've once written Ruby in the past. I, I cannot anymore write any Ruby, I think, if I would have to. But uh, writing a dynamic language shows you how certain problems can be solved in a different way or how you can be a lot more efficient while developing in a, in a dynamic language. Uh, dynamic languages have got their drawbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy with a statically typed language uh, these days, but there are these things that you sometimes just have to uh, experience and learn for yourself. And then you can even take them back home to your 
language that you use in your everyday job. So, so to speak, uh, I've been dabbling a lot with functional programming and while C Sharp is not a functional first programming language, it offers me quite a lot of functionality to write functional-esque code. Can you say functional one more time, Mark? Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point that you bring up. Like, you know, it's also functional. good to peek over the fence from time to time um, to see if, um, you know, like, like you say, what other languages are doing. Um, I feel that for at least the past few years, C-sharp is picking it up really nicely with uh, also evolving as a language. So a lot of new stuff is added, uh, which a lot of people seem happy about. I think we've talked about it before in this show as well. Like, you know, some stuff, if you use it all together, I feel that your code becomes unusable. But, you know, some people will use <laughs> this part. Some people will use that part. Um, again, because, you know, you have to enjoy the code you write. And some things um, um, some things are more clear to people than, than to other people. And other um, um, concepts are more clear to other people as well. So... Um, you know, but it's also good to to peek over the fence from time to time, see what other languages are doing, and maybe how you can, um, yeah, apply that um, onto your own work, onto your own uh, language that you know and love. Usually, um, one other thing that I that came to mind, kind of while you were talking, Mark, is um, some appliances also have like a a language that's kind of tied to it, because every time when I see something. AI related, um, it's usually Python these days. Um, I mean, sure, you can do it with other stuff as well, but Python seems for some reason um, optimized for all the AI stuff. I don't know why that is. Um, so, you know, you also have kind of like these scenarios where if you, especially if you want to get started, um, it's good to take, you know, the popular language um, and start learning the concepts from there because there is a ton of content, documentation and whatever that you can find. Stack overflow questions, not to forget those. Um, and then, you know, if you feel comfortable with um, those technologies and you want to experiment with other things, um, then, you know, you can you can poke around with other things as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's also one of the things I think is happening that kind of naturally some languages are tied to a, a specific appliance um, of a technology. Yeah, I, I actually yesterday um, started working on a collaboratory, I think it is, Google Collaboratory Notebook, where there was some, some AI stuff happening and it wasn't working because I, I obviously I said copy this notebook and let's go. Uh, but it wasn't working. So I had to dabble somewhere in some Python code that uh, I wasn't very accustomed to. Let's put it that way. So after figuring out how to define a variable, I uh, I finally got going. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because I felt like a, a freaking wizard back in the day when I, I could say I know some jQuery. Wow. <laughs> Look but that's me. also an interesting thing, right? Like, uh, like you said, like you know, whenever you have to do something, like I'm pretty sure that none of us has ever uh, read a book or anything about JavaScript. Or okay, you knew jQuery, but that's a language which is just like PHP. That's why a lot of people start with that, right? At least back then, uh, because it's it's very forgiving. It's very easy for some reason to pick it up. Um, so, you know, you can, you can start with that. And still, if I have to do something with JavaScript, sure, I have to, because I don't use it every day, I have to relearn a couple of things. But after a day of working with it, I can, um, you know, figure out all the things and, you know, what to Google for and whatnot. So as long as the language is kind of like, you know, um, 
actually where I'm going with this, I think, is that the language over time doesn't matter that much. Um, again, as long as you're not going to go out to from object oriented to functional and and whatever, right? So as as long as you stick in kind of like the same silo, the language um, doesn't really matter that much um, because you know the concepts are mostly the same. So you just have to relearn kind of the syntax, which you know should be able to pick up easily, um, and then from there you should be able to pretty easily um, do something in a new language. That is absolutely true, and. I would say that, I mean, yeah, if if we are C-sharp developers, but I think if you would be forced to write Java tomorrow, um, we could learn it. The concepts are pretty similar. They're both OO-based. But uh, for me, generally, whenever I learn a new language, it's either because I have to do something on the job, like getting something done. So SQL comes to mind. I didn't have to write any SQL for many years. And uh, now at my job, I write a few SQL say not nothing fancy, nothing big, nothing super performant, but you know, just getting your way around. Select top one. Select in some inner joints left and right and some where's there and Ooh. some ins and stuff like that. It's just, but you know, you, you learn something in top and it's, and you get by, but so I, I wouldn't say I'm the super SQL dev and I can now slice and dice my way through every database and make it super optimized and know all the ins and outs of that. But I think that's also not something that I, I'm i looking out for. And I think that can be also very empowering, like learning a, a little bit of a language, uh, like learning how to order a coffee and some beer in a new language. You feel super powerful because suddenly you can walk into a restaurant and, and have your favorite beverage of the day, time of day. So yeah, I, I, think, I think there are many, many reasons why I can learn a language. For me, uh, sometimes it's also just to learn a new skill, like learning how something works. How does OO work? How does this inheritance thing work? How how, how can I use this and maybe apply it in, in a different context? And I think that can also bring value to you as a developer and also make you more efficient and maybe even allow you to write code that is better structured. And so you can write large applications without ending up in a big ball of mess, which will just be pain to work with after three months of time developing on it. So yeah, uh, I think there, there are many reasons why, why you could do something. And I mean, there are also a lot of new languages coming along. So I, I haven't personally dabbled with it, but I think Swift is like a new language that came along. Huge hype cycle around it. And they now even introduced this new concept with uh, Swift UI, which I think is also why some people now dabble quickly in it. So you don't really have to learn the language the ins and outs, but uh, yeah, you can you can learn a new concept. You can play around with a new developer concept that is now available uh, on on Apple devices. And yeah, I think that can also be fun because it can show you like, hey, I'm always living in my silo of .NET, but what are the others doing? Can I draw some inspiration from that? And yeah, maybe improve the the life of the community or or the life at work. Yeah, the only thing that I I typically get i suppose is is some small form of imposter syndrome like if someone asks me could you do this in this and that language that i hardly ever or never touched i'm like mm, i don't know could i maybe i don't know um but yeah it's it's definitely what you said if you just dive in you'll you'll pick it up probably pretty quickly so if if we're talking 
new language. What what's the last thing you've picked up? Well, I'm I'm afraid now because Gerald dared me to say one more time functional, but oh yeah, it was the function, the functionals. Do it, <laughs> do, do it. it. Yeah, no, so I've uh, I've been dabbling a lot with F Sharp lately. So I've been writing some scripts and some smaller applications using F Sharp. Um, mainly just to get a feel of the language and to, uh, you, you said it at the beginning, you know, like, so if you, if I would have to write Python, I mean, I've, I've written some Python scripts, but I, I, I couldn't just like start to assign a variable and, and make a loop and then, uh, make a method and stuff like that. I, w- I would continually have to look stuff up how I would have to do it. And well, that can be fun in the way of it's, it can be fun to change a little bit of CSS and then suddenly everything looks a lot better, even though you don't really know what exactly you've done because you just have copied in some code and by magic, it seems to work. Uh, I, I wanted to get beyond that point. So I wanted to be able to, to to develop smaller applications in it and also see like, well, is it, what are the, the good things of F-sharp? What are maybe some things I, I prefer to do in C-sharp uh, and all that? And that, that was the, the last language that I did. And I think it's, a lot of people then go one step further than say, well, F sharp, I mean, it's still .NET and it's still, you still got objects in it. So you still got that. So I'll go uh, super pure functional. I'll learn Haskell. And I, I, I never really caught that bug, to be honest. I, um, I never saw the, the added benefit that I could do by learning something like Haskell because yeah, I don't know. I, I just like to build stuff that I can play around with and, Haskell was just like one leap too far away from I don't know the the homelands of the of the WinForms and the known uh, user interfaces that I could interconnect with. And for me, like the the, the reason or what really got me started with F Sharp was this framework called Fabulous, which is a uh, it's it used to be based on Xamarin Forms. You can now use Xamarin Forms. You could also use different UIs. And that really got me going because I really like to do mobile developments uh, with that kind of platform. I could then learn F Sharp. And uh, so I, st- I started programming in it and I just noticed like, I really should learn this F Sharp to, to get better at developing this style of mobile apps because if I don't know F Sharp, it will be quite a pain to do anything with it. And that, that's what got me going. So that was the, the latest language that I learned apart from uh, copy and pasting stuff from the internet into my SQL management studio to execute against a database. What about you, Gerald? For me, I guess it's more like what you said earlier. Um, whenever something is required on the job, then I will pick it up and start looking into it then. Um, so recently, that would be Kusto query language, which is, I don't know what it is. It's some kind of dialect of um, query stuff. Um, so, you know, that was that was interesting. Uh, it's used a lot for like telemetry and uh, massive data sources and that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's something, at, at least it's something on Azure. I don't know where it um, really originates from, but it's very widely used throughout Microsoft to uh, query all the telemetry stuff. So, um, you know, having worked on a big service like GitHub Codespaces, um, telemetry is a big part of that. So I had to find my way in that sometimes. Um, Also kind of together with that, um, some PowerShell, some bash script kind of um, stuff uh, to to tie some things together for build pipelines or setting some things up in an environment. Um, From time to time when I'm dealing with web stuff, um, JavaScript, 
Um, I never really got into TypeScript. Um, I think, you know, maybe because I never really built anything entirely with a lot of JavaScript or something, um, or maybe because, you know, JavaScript is somewhat familiar and I'm just didn't bother with learning the whole new TypeScript thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of like how it is for me. Um, I really don't have, or let's say I don't really allow myself the time to learn any other stuff. Um, also I didn't really have the need for it, um, so far. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with C sharp. While, while I was working with Steven years ago, I actually had to learn or relearn some visual basic, um, because Ooh. there were some products that we had to maintain in visual basic. So that was fun too um yeah so you know and i started my career with um delphi or delphi i don't know how you want to pronounce it in english um so that is you know if you if you start counting then you um quickly get up to some good number of languages that you kind of know yeah it's it's funny you should mention typescript because that that's the direction where i've been spending my latest language endeavors which is the the javascript frameworks for the web um and typescript yeah that's pretty much a tie-in for all of those um so that that's definitely my javascript has improved i guess we should say i don't know what to think of that but i'll, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that um yeah so then the big question becomes like you you guys are saying um we we learn a language on the go or maybe if we we really set ourselves a goal we want to learn something should you be learning a new language very often is is it i mean are you missing out if you don't i i don't know um i personally don't necessarily think you have to i mean if if you're getting by on your job with what you what you know then by all means um but it, it could be um how do you call that enlightening if uh if, to to just branch out of your comfort zone in, in some way maybe you'll learn some new insights i think it's a really good question there Stephen. for me i would say probably it is worth learning a new language how often should you learn a new language that's again i think a different topic but uh thinking back you just mentioned or Joel also mentioned like PowerShell. I think knowing a scripting language can be really helpful because I think you will then and again encounter some task at your at your day job where just being able to to write a simple script to to cobble some things together can be super helpful. Um, knowing how those things work can again be be good for you to to help a team or also when you uh, know PowerShell. Uh, you you know how Bash probably works. I mean, they're different. Uh, they they have some big differences also, but on some level, they're they're quite similar. And I think that goes for for many things. So I think it's it's always worth knowing knowing some bits and pieces. And I mean, if you if you've ever learned SQL, I mean, SQL has been around for ages. And I mean, there are some new query languages coming out, but they a lot of them have got this SQL like syntax where you then also can. Uh, filter stuff or or yeah uh, go through data and, and analyze it so i think knowing how certain languages work or what kind of problems they try to solve yeah it is helpful so i i would definitely uh once you have 
learned your initial language and you feel at home and you think that you can do everything with it, I think it can be of interest to to learn something new. And I mean, oftentimes, or at least for me in the past, it's like, it wasn't always me like going, hmm, what could I learn? It was sometimes like, hey, uh, could you please uh, update this script that we have? And you go like, well, what is it? Well, it's PowerShell. And you go like, okay, well, how hard can it be? And then a few smack in the face mistakes later, uh, you then maybe find out how Joe or how how this is meant to be written and how you can how how you can do it right. Okay, so we talked about should we learn a new language? Mark says yes, and 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 you know we should do it. Um, what language did we learn? Are there any languages on our list that we are actually going to learn? Mark, what's the next language that you're going to look into? What's hidden happening? C sharp ten. I know. C sharp ten. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned it. It's it's like I said, um, especially for the past few years, um, a lot of features have been added to, to C Sharp. Um, and it's also definitely something that you kind of have to learn, I guess. I mean, it's all inside of the same language. So still, well, I would say, I, I was going to say the syntax is still the same, but that's actually not true because that's the thing that they're changing, right? They're adding um, different ways to do things uh, with a different syntax in a lot of um scenarios um and they also just add completely new features there as well uh, but yeah you have to be kind of aware that that's a thing you also for um being able to use that as a whole you have to kind of update your project to enable um, the new c-sharp version so um, you know you have to be aware of the things that are actually happening there i've i've also had years maybe i just wasn't aware back then um, I don't know, but I've had years where I would just, you know, write my C-sharp code and never bother with any new features. And then at some point, um, I don't know, um, new features seem to start to get in and um, the pace only picked up from there. And now there's, um, with C-sharp 7, 8, 9, there's a lot of cool new stuff coming in. Um, so yeah, Mark, you mentioned C-sharp 10 specifically. What are the things that you're looking forward to then? Um, well, you're throwing me a bit under a bus here, so I, that was more of a... I think I'm looking forward to C-Sharp 10. Um, there will be some cool new functional features being added, I'm sure, just putting in some more functional keywords here and there, functional, Gerald, functional. Oh, great, great. Yeah. No, but I mean... I, I just... Well, actually, actually, so I don't know if that has to do with C-Sharp 10 or I sometimes I also lose kind of the overview, like which is a feature of what. But I started a file new console application the other day and it had in the template one line <laughs> literally one line to do the hello world like what's up with that um so apparently which is a hip new thing and to be honest i don't really get it is the minimal minimal syntax api is that how they the the, the young people call it nowadays um so what basically means is that you can skip like all the namespace declarations and even the method declarations and I don't know, it's all very dependent on how you write it and where you write it, I guess. Uh, but you can write now an ASP.NET kind of web API, REST API with, I don't know, at, at least kind of like under 10 lines of code maybe or something. And apparently like your console application only has to be one line now. You can just open up a CS file and start writing your um, lines of code in there, which is, you know, for, for the kind of console application where you kind of try things, uh, at least that's usually where I try things. Um, I can, I can see kind of like the, the advantage of it, but for writing my rest APIs, 
maybe again in the scenario where I'm prototyping and that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's a, one of those things that I have to get used to, but um, I don't know. I, I think when it comes down to these minimal APIs, um, I don't know if we are the right people with the with the right mindset and view to get started, but I think if you... If you're fresh to programming and you just want to get something out, I mean, some languages you just have to write one line and something will happen. So, I mean, JavaScript, you can pop up an alert with minimal effort to do that. And with C Sharp, it, it is a lot more ceremony to, to do this. At least right now, it is a lot more ceremony. And with these new changes, it it, it looks more approachable. So you've got less, less stuff going on and you can just get down to... Uh, whatever business you want to get to, I think it's I think it's a valid point. Uh, so if you have got like these minimalistic APIs, are there really something you want to strive to in a business context where you might want to have a bit more ceremony baked in, like you want to have some error handling and some authentication handling and some whatnot handling baked in there? Um, I think yeah, that's that's something different. But I I kind of see the allure for it. Uh, but on the other hand, I I am a bit scared of meeting these APIs out in the wild where they should be doing some heavy lifting and just half of the uh, code that should be there is missing because, well, it's a minimalist API. What about you, Stephen? What is the language that you are looking out for, except of TypeScript? I mean, that's cool, I guess. I don't have much else. Come on. Don't don't diss my TypeScript and my JavaScript. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's... uh, that that's pretty much what I've been uh, what I've been looking into. Other other than me just wanting to learn some kind of web JavaScript framework, I think that's a a daunting enough task as is. I don't need another language on top of that. I I I, I hear you. I think sometimes just learning a new framework can be as much as learning a new language. I mean, if if I think about. Uh, I, I right now I'm I'm dabbling a, a lot with uh, this thing called Blazor uh, on on the .NET stack, and even though I've been developing C Sharp for many years, uh, encountering this new way how you can write uh, web front end applications, you have to learn so many things. It's not just the the UI syntax, so the the Razor syntax, uh, which has also been there since many years, but it's it's many new concepts that you have to learn. So I think. Learning a new language can be interesting, but there's also uh, so many other things that you can learn. So I, I definitely would also keep an eye out on on those fun little things that you can learn that will come along. Yeah, and I think with that we can wrap up this episode on learning new languages. Does anyone of you want to say something in a different language? Just for closing, functional. Bedankt voor het luisteren. Tot ziens. Functional. We've been your hosts. Stephen Davison, Gerald Sluis, and Mark Halliburn. Let us know if you're learning a new language and what language that would be on Twitter at nullpointers.io. And also tell us why you're learning it, because maybe that's a very good reason for us to pick it up. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. And until next week on Nullpointers. Pointers.